Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast. It's episode 18, brought to you on our new home, the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink. The Bruins Benders Podcast is sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Winsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. You can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Just go to lopsbrewing.com and follow them at Lops Brewing on social media for new beers and events. I am Maddie. My co-host, Smitty, has a word from BetUS. Yeah, BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting Sign up for BetUS.com with the promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. That is B-E-T-U-S.com. Again, use the promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid, BetUS.com. Gamble responsibly, Smitty, for once in your <laughs> yeah. life. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying, you know, a little bit here <laughs> and there. You get the help you need. Yeah. Uh, weekend review for the Bruins. Hey, it was a pretty good one. This one, this episode entitled West Coast Swing, going back to Cali. And uh, first at Seattle, for February 24th, a 3-2 to two win. And this one, Brad Marchand made a line chain that was similar to Game seven of the Stanley Cup Finals when he just inexplicably left the ice and let Mark Giordano score a shorthanded goal. Uh, there's another bad change later by the same line that gives up the second goal and Everly's goal in a three-on-one. But the Bruins, I thought, played well for most of the game. Uh, it was nice to see Jake DeBrusque get two goals and the game winner. He was added to the top line just before there. And we'll see how that goes. But Seattle Kraken... Uh, they were desperate, and I thought they were playing with some energy and, and looking to win, desperate to win. So it was a good win for you know to start the trip. Yeah, I thought they. I thought it was a good win. Uh, Marchand returns from suspension. Uh, the bees dominated for the majority of that game. Uh, they did have a couple of bad line changes that led to Seattle goals, and the Kraken were desperate, uh, and they played like it. They had lost five in a row going into the game. Uh, Pasta score. Jake gets a couple, and the game winner. Um, so it was a nice win to start off the, the West Coast trip. It was. And then, then in, on to California and at San Jose, it was a 3-1 to one win on February 26th. And this was a good win. Jeremy Swayman was excellent, particularly in the third when the Bruins were hanging on to a 2-1 to one lead before Bergeron uh, got the one to ice it. Uh, Brad Marchand with two goals. It was a good road win that started with a great kill of a double minor like two minutes into the game or less than two minutes into the game where the Bruins actually had more chances than San Jose did. And it sort of set the tone for the rest of the game. So it was a good win to, to win two in a row to start the trip. Yeah, I thought it was a nice win. They dominated for much of the game just like they did uh, against Seattle. Um, but they kind of let the Sharks hang around because they couldn't finish early. They had so many chances early on to kind of add on and, and put the game out of reach, but they couldn't do it. Marchand had a, two goals and assist. Uh, the Sharks had a had a push in the third, and Swayman made some huge saves to preserve the win. 
uh, in the third, and then and then Berge uh, gets the insurance goal late to seal it. So uh, yeah, definitely a, a you know a nice way to start the trip uh, with a couple was, of wins. It was two games, they sh- you know, two teams they should beat to start it, and they do. And then a team in the LA Kings on February twenty eighth that was white hot. I mean, they had won five in a row. They were eight one and one in their last ten. They were really surging. And the and the Bruins blow them out seven nothing seven nothing when they dominated a hot team. Kings, uh, like I said, on a great roll, and they were getting Anze uh, Kapitar is probably one of the most underrated players in the league for so long. I mean, he's just he's just he's a leader of that team. He's the captain, and and he is an under the radar superstar that doesn't get a lot of plug. I mean, maybe it's because he's in L.A. But uh, Kopitar has been a great hockey player for a long time. Uh, the Bruins take advantage of a of a poor penalty killing team. Kings were twenty eighth on the kill in the league. Bruins go two for two out of three, and then Jake DeBrusque's first hat trick. A couple of the goals were were sort of leaky on the part of Jonathan Quick. He let a couple in off his off his body that he probably should have saved. But the Bruins continue to surge, and and they just they dominate wire to wire really. Yeah, it was a great performance. Quick wasn't sharp early, which certainly helped the Bruins get off to a good start. Um, you know, DeBrus' goal uh, at the beginning kind of leaks through, and and there were some other ones that uh, he probably should have had early on. But the hot hot start, and they ended up carrying the play all night. You know, Jake gets the Hattie, a couple of goals for Eric Halla and Swayman with his third shot of the year. Uh, we're all excellent in a, you know, pretty dominating victory from beginning to end. Yeah, now Sway is really coming on, and now people are sort of whispering Calder, you know, Calder Trophy uh, nomination and, and, and things of that nature, and he's really starting to separate himself from Linus Allmark and maybe getting sent down there to Providence when Tuca came back. Might have been a good thing for him to refocus. He wasn't great in Providence, but maybe it gave him a taste of the minors again and wanted to and doesn't want to go back there and wants to sort of take the net and and go with it and right now he's he's really making a bid to take the net for the you know for the rest of the season really if he keeps it up and then it was March 1st last night and I'll tell you <laughs> we do the the Bruins Benders podcast power rankings top 7 and I almost had the Bruins in there I said to myself yeah. they win they're in yep. and they lose again. This is the second time this year and they haven't been in it at all this year. Second time they were one win away from getting in and they just couldn't get in. It so seems, well, it's, it, and, and it seems like every time we do the podcast, they lose the game before we do the podcast. Right. right. Like it, it, that's been going on now for probably a month. Right. Like every Tuesday night or whenever, <laughs> it, every night, the, the day before we're going to do it, they lose. And it just leaves like a sour taste in our mouths. We're like, we want so badly to just be sunshine and blowing roses and, and, and the whole thing. And then they go and lose at the end. And it just, it's fucking irritating. <laughs> yes, it is because as you said, like they get on a streak when they win two or three games, they look great. And then they lose that game. And it's usually in really like just horrific fashion. Like right. They lose in overtime or they lose like they did last night with 22 seconds left. Like it's just like a really real heartbreaking loss that keeps them out of the uh, power rankings. But anyway, they lose three to two to the Ducks last night. It was a tough loss. It was a bad first. It actually was four to three, not three to two. Four I, to three. Uh, that's right. Four yeah. to three. They were down, what, three nothing. Uh, right? Three one. Yeah. Three one. Yeah. And uh, it was back to back games. It kind of looked like it. They fought back though after the back to back games and they've been on the road now for a bit. So that showed some fight. Uh, Trevor Zegras wins it on the power play late. It was a bad penalty by McAvoy. And then they can't clear the puck. Marshan had a chance to clear the puck. It was a really 
it was a really poor couple of minutes there at the end of the game and they pay for it. They lose the game. They don't get the point that they probably deserved because of the fight back. And I just can't help but wonder. I know that Omark made some good saves in the game. We just can't help but wonder if Swayman played the game that maybe he st- he saves one or two of those early. Yeah, I, th- I think I think with the with how hot Swayman's been late, especially you you do have to wonder that, and it does make you think that if Swayman had maybe played, that they they may have had a different result. But it was a bad loss. They didn't have the same attention to detail that they had in the Kings game. You know, three mistakes in the first, all end up in the net. Sloppy play early. They fight all the way back to tie it, and then sl- sloppy play late sinks them. So a Gordie Howe hat trick for Felino was nice to see. Maybe he's found a home on that fourth line with with Nosek. Um, so that might be one silver lining from the game. But uh, pretty disappointing overall to to lose it, uh, you know, with 21 seconds left after battling back. So not a right. not a great ending to that one. Yeah, the, the Ducks are the Ducks have improved. I mean, they're they're okay now. They used to be not so good, but now they're better. And of course, Egress is is a real you know he's a Calder candidate. I think he should probably win it probably. Uh, but he's you know he's a fantastic you know, young player for them. And, and there's some juice there. There's some energy coming from the Anaheim Ducks. And it was a back-to-back and the Bruins had won the first three games on the trip. And, you know, I guess you could say that if that's the one hiccup, that would have been it. So I guess we can go with that. I don't think it's, was it alarming in any way? And it's because they did come back and they did have a chance to steal a point or maybe two at the end. I mean, if they lost, you know, 6-1, 6-0, then it would have been more alarming to me. I just think this is one of those hiccups on the West Coast trip. And they, and even Bruce Cassidy said after the game, they're playing winning hockey. And he actually, actually had a real positive thing to say when lately he's been tell it like it is kind of thing. So uh, I think he feels pretty good about it, even though they lost that game. Uh, all right, time now for seven chirps. We answer seven questions about the Bruins and the league in number one. Reports are that Phil Kessel of the Arizona Coyotes can be had for a third round pick and Arizona would actually pay the rest or half of the salary that's remaining. If you were the Bruins, <laughs> aren't you all over this? Yeah, I think you are. You know, we've been both on the Phil Kessel train for a long time and, and there's some people out there who aren't, which I don't really understand. Right. I, I don't really, I don't really get it. Like the guy can score goals. He's a proven playoff guy, you know, mm-hmm. for a guy who, who a lot of people say isn't tough when he floats, he produces in the postseason when it matters. Mm -hmm. So that's a guy I think you would want on your team, especially if you're not giving up much to get him. If you can, if you can bring him in for a third rounder and then end up trading Jake or figuring out what's going to happen with Jake for defensive help or something, a second line center. If you can, if you can swing that and get Kessel and somebody else possibly, I mean, that's a no brainer to me. Yeah, it, it's, it, it absolutely is. First of all, you need a right wing, top line right wing, and he can do that. He can play either of the top two lines mm-hmm. as right wing, and he's a goal scorer and a proven one, like you said. And he has, remember in 2013 when they came back and had that historic win against the Maple Leafs, he was a major factor in that series for Toronto. Yeah. Like he was he was scoring and he was he played great. Pittsburgh, there were years there where he was great in the playoffs. So I wouldn't have any question about Kessler, and I think it would reju- rejuvenate him a bit. My only question is he didn't love it here at the time, different management uh, at the time, but he didn't love it. And maybe he's balking at that. If that's the case and that, then I get it, but you can, you can get a guy who is a top six forward who can score goals for a third round pick and only pay like a million and a half bucks for the rest of the year. 
I mean, I don't know why you don't do that because then you've already satisfied. If you can't go get a second line center, you've already satisfied getting a top six forward. So now if you trade Jake in picks or Jake and a couple of prospects for something else, maybe a D man or something, then that's just an easy get to fill a spot you need to me. Absolutely. People are all all over Kessel's. He dogs that he eats hot dogs and the other thing, and he does all that, sure. But he also is a really good goal scorer, and he plays with Bergeron and Marchand. You see what Jabruska is doing. Can you imagine Kessel there firing pucks? Yeah, he's a great shooter of the puck, a great finisher. Yes. I mean, why 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 wouldn't he be a fit for the Bruins? I I don't know why they hadn't didn't do it yesterday. To be honest with you. In the okay number two chirp number two in the last four NHL drafts, I tweeted this out. It was a historic tweet for us. It, it really was. <laughs> I, I didn't think anything of it. I was just doing some research. I was bored one day. It was February vacation. I'm a you know I'm a teacher and we, I had the time off and I was just like you know what let's look at the Bruins drafts to see just how bad they've been in the last four or five years. Yeah. Well, in the last four NHL drafts, the Bruins have made 21 picks in exactly zero have played in exactly zero NHL games out of those 21 players. Uh, is that stat deceiving or concerning? We get a lot of comments about it. We get 995 likes out of it. Yep. And a lot of people, uh, even Ty Anderson quote tweeted it saying that it was interesting, but deceiving. And I guess it is. If you look at it uh, from perspective of a couple of years there, they've taken guys who, who need two or three years of development. Yeah, I mean, I I think overall it's an interesting stat and it does kind of go toward how the Bruins have drafted. Just because there's been some guys they've picked lately that have been pretty good and and look like they have upside, still the bottom line is that in those four drafts, they don't have anyone who's played a game at the NHL level. So it speaks to how they've drafted, but I mean, there is some, you know, gray area where you have to kind of wait for some of these newer guys, you know, the low rise and the Harrisons and the Lysel Lysel to kind of develop and, and gain some professional experience. So there, there is some of that, but at, but at the end of the day, it still points to, you know, they haven't drafted particularly well in, in, in a long time. Right. And the the thing that that bugs me about it is that you had to go out and pay for Thomas Nosek and pay for Nick Foligno and pay for Eric Halla. And you're paying these bottom six guys pretty much top dollar bottom six pay because you didn't have enough draft picks. Look, 2018 is four years ago. that, That draft has not, that draft, 18 and 19 are the big ones. And I know they've drafted down the list. Like they, there were a couple of years that they didn't have a first round pick. They're starting at 57, 58. They get lower. I think at 58, you know, they got, uh, was it, uh, Axel Anderson who went in the Kasha trade at like 57. I get that. But for God's sake, some of these guys that, are, that were picked then, like the Jakob Lankos of the world, they need to, should I get off the pot now? Like they need to, we need to figure out, are these guys going to play in the NHL at, at any time or not. And at least you could have gotten a guy that instead of having Anton bleed, who you drafted nine years ago, filling in and bottom six lines, you couldn't get a guy four years ago that could just play in the fourth line. So you didn't have to pay these other guys to, to, you know, two, three, $4 million a year. I, I just, that's, that's what, that's what I look at. I get, 2021, 2020, they went with guys who had upside that was going to take a while. That was the philosophy, and I get it. They're a top team in the NHL. They don't have a ton of roster spots. Go get a guy who maybe three or four years from now you can plug in. I'm okay with that. But it's the three or four years ago where you didn't have a guy that you could just plug in. That's what bugs me about it. Yeah. You know, they've, they've 
spent all this money on guys who like Nick Felino. They didn't wouldn't have to spend money on Nick Felino if 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 Jakob Lauko could play in the third line. Right. Well, and the yeah. other thing about it is, you know, they've drafted mostly third and fourth line guys. <laughs> so right. so why can't one of those guys fucking hit? I mean, if that's who you're drafting, maybe you should be able to plug one of those guys in. I mean, you're not drafting fucking first line talent. You're drafting Trent Frederick and and guys that you've past Zach Sinition. You pa- you're drafting guys that, that were way down the board that you should be able to plug in on the third or fourth line and, ha- and have them be able to play. Right. And I see the argument of they haven't picked, they haven't had high draft picks because they've been good. Fine. They also don't have a lot of roster spots because they're good. Fine. But they did have to go out and pay four or five guys, you know, pretty good money mm-hmm. to fill in gaps they couldn't fill. And I, I get the philosophy. The philosophy has obvi- obviously been with Sweeney. I'm going to get some reach guys who will take some time because I have a good nucleus. Well, that's fine. But you also haven't been able to fill in some gaps that you needed to. And you had to spend money and now you're up against the cap. You know, it's just, that's the thing that, that irritates me. You know what else irritates me is chirp number three. Nesson. Uh, Nesson <laughs> is a local cable access station that uh, infrequently does hockey games from road sites and is, is doing their games from Watertown Studios. So what do you think there? I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, yeah. during a game the other night, Jack and Brick, the announcers for Nesson, had to be evacuated from the studio. So they had to pick up the feed from the, I believe it was the Seahawks game, uh, the, not the Seahawks, the Kraken. Uh, <laughs> well been. Yeah. Uh, so they had to pick up the, uh, the away team's feed because they had to get evacuated out of the studio in Watertown. So it, it lends to a bad product because you can't call a game as well from a TV monitor as you can from being in the actual arena. You just can't. There's stuff away from the puck that you can't see. There's all kinds of things. You're just focused on whatever the cameraman's focused on. If he's not quick, if he's not a good cameraman, then you're screwed. So to 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 cut corners like that when uh, the pandemic's kind of been lifted and, and people are traveling and teams are traveling and analysts are traveling, like the radio guys are traveling. So I, I just I just don't understand why Nesson would do that. Maybe it's because they spent their money on buying the Pittsburgh Penguins and don't give a rat's ass about the Boston Bruins. Maybe that's it. Well, that could be. Here, here's the thing about the Fenway Sports Group. They don't have to send anybody to the Red Sox games because there's a lockout. They have, they have, they don't have to pay any of those people. I don't think now they don't have to send anybody. I just think they like the fact that they were saving all this money and they looked at the books in the bottom line and were like, "Why are we doing this? Let's stretch this out as far as we can." I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, sure that was 100 what it is. I mean, how how would you justify it any other way? Here's the example that I saw in a game recently: Charlie Coyle trips a guy. We don't know if it's a penalty or not. They go down the other end of the ice. You can't see the goalie if the goalie's left the net for a delayed penalty. You can't see the other referee. So Jack says he trips him, but not sure if it's a penalty because I can't see the other ref and I can't see the other net. So now we don't know until the Bruins touch the puck whether there's a penalty. So now he touched the puck and you're like, okay, I guess not. I guess there's no penalty. Like that's the type of play. You have to see the whole ice, like you said. Yeah. And that's the perfect type of play. Like you can't see if a guy's leaving the empty net at the end of the game. If it's down the other end, no, no idea. You know, there's no spotter. There's no, my whole thing is if you don't want to send people on the road, let the road feed the road team to it. Yeah. Like for God's sakes, I mean, it's insane. It is. It, it, and you know, I've had other battles with Nesson over the years with the stupid yeah. ticker, but <laughs> right, um, yeah. you know, why are we taking away from the, from the actual ice 
that you can see to put up a ticker that you can get on your phone in, in one second, in two seconds, that is just completely unnecessary. It is. It is. I mean, you can get so much more information from the ticker. For the ticker runs by and shows a score, and then a minute later shows the next score. Like, we get it. You know, the, 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 the Cavaliers beat the Nuggets, you know, 98-99. We get it. Like, for Christ's sake, move on. But, yeah, Nesson is, I, it's just a half-assed operation. Now they've gotten rid of the sports desk, I guess, and the late night, all the talk shows. So now what do you have for programming? It's just, to me, it's, if you don't want to do it, it can't be lucrative, Nesson. I mean, I'm sure it is it's somewhat, but it can't be that lucrative that you're dicking around with it. I mean, I, I think understand. I think it's lucrative for for the Bruins and for the for the Red Sox. You know, you can have pretty right. good ad you know revenue coming in you know during those games and the pre and post sure. and all that stuff. But I mean, the rest of the programming is just oh, ridiculous, it's dreadful. Yeah, and it's even worse. It gets worse. It doesn't get better. And they don't keep their worse. talent. They they yeah. let anybody that's any good there leaves within one to two years. Right. Gone. All the female reporters they've had that have been really good. Yeah. They've all gone and flourished other places. Absolutely. The only one that stays is Tom Karen. Right. Right. Dale Uh, Arnold. Yeah. Because they can't find jobs other places, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Tom Karen's a lifer. Yeah. Chirp number four. Merrimack College recently scores on a fake Michigan. How do you feel about the creativity and the direction hockey is headed with it? Uh, I love it, personally. I I, I guess that fake Michigan thing had happened in a junior college game previously, but that was the first time I had ever seen it. It was fucking awesome. Like the, the, the guy goes to hit the guy who's trying to do the Michigan, and the other guy just skates right by, picks the puck up, and puts it in the open net. I mean, he wrapped it around, but the goalie was on the same side as the as the guy trying to prevent the Michigan. And literally the entire other side of the net was open. Like the guy could have skated wow. around the net, stood there for like, you know, five or six seconds and then put it in yeah. if you wanted to. Um, wow. So I, I just I just love the kind of direction that some of the younger guys that have, you know, the skill and the speed and and uh, the creativity of taking the game. I think it's I think it's great. More power to them. You know, the more creative things you can do to, to put the puck in the net, the better, in my opinion. Yeah, and I agree. And I it, as long as it just doesn't get, you know, carried away and silly. But I think it would only get that way, like, early regular season where guys are trying stuff. But I, I like it, too. I mean, it can't hurt. But I just wish you'd market more. Like, you shouldn't market a Trevor Zegris. Like, for Christ, like he's on the he's on a, a post game with Butchie a, a while back. And they're talking about meeting, seeing Butchie at Tim Hortons and eating two Boston <laughs> cream, you know, donuts. And, you know, I mean, he's got great personality. And some of these guys, especially the guys who came out of college, like, they, they have some really good personality and you should you should be marketing these guys and having these guys talk in front of the camera and, and really add something so that people can get behind them and understand them more because these guys I don't see these guys talking enough showing enough of their personality yeah I think I think that's a huge uh, flaw in the NHL's marketing capabilities is they don't market the personalities of the players at all it's at all. it's really just based on what they do on the ice and I think Fans could relate more to players if the NHL would kind of market more of their personalities and you could see kind of more behind the scenes stuff with the mm. players. Yeah, you could see what has happened with David Parsonak, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts commercials and the press conferences where he shows he's got a great sense of humor and he started to really take on a fan base when people started seeing that. See, now he, they see that he's got great personalities, funny, like that type of thing. If he didn't have that, he'd be like David Krejci. Like guys would, people would not understand him as a person and they probably have a certain, you know, judgment about him and as being, you know, from, you know, Finnish, Finland or wherever he's from. And, you know, they have it. Is he from Finland? No. <laughs> no. Is he from, see, I didn't even know. See? That, he's from, is. uh, 
Czech he's Republic. Czech. No, he's is he from Czech or Slovakia or somewhere. We'll find out. Oh, we'll, we'll find that out. You keep going. I'll find it out. Charlestown or somewhere. All right. number five. <laughs> is uh, is Jeremy Swayman taking the number one goalie job? Five zero oh, and one in his last six. He shuts out the Kings. He absolutely is taking it. It's his job now to lose. In in my opinion, he was the rookie of the month for February. He should be in the Calder discussions now. Um, he's been playing great. He's been playing great against any team that he's been in there against. You know, earlier on it was you know he can't play against playoff teams. Well, he answered that against the Avalanche. He's been just on fire lately an ungodly save percentage shutouts. So it's his job, in my opinion, to, uh, to lose. Yeah, it is. And again, it's revisionist history, but again, the, the Bruins mishandled, misjudged this, mishandled this for some reason. They just didn't believe in Jeremy Swayman last year and into this year. And Swayman played fairly well. And then Tuca plays hurt. I mean, blatantly hurt mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And they don't really give Swayman a chance, although he had played fairly well. And then coming into this offseason, they just didn't trust it. And I know he's young, but there was really no indication that he would just not do well. Like he had always kind of played well. And then they bring in Linus Allmark, four years, five million, you know, no movement clauses everywhere. It's just now they have a real issue next year going in because if Swayman plays has the number one the rest of the year, has a decent playoff and is, isn't the problem, then they go into the offseason thinking Swayman's the number one and you've got a $5 million goalie on the bench who has a no-movement clause. Like, so then what? You know, that's, that, to me, that's, that's not a good... That's a, it's a good problem to have that you have two pretty good goalies, so if Swayman does regress, fine. But if he doesn't, now it becomes a problem that's not great. I think they were probably worried, like they they saw probably Carter Hart in Philadelphia and be like, oh, he had a great year, and then he was terrible, mm-hmm. and he never really got it back, you know. And there's been a few other guys over the years with the Bruins who have had really good early in their career success, like Blaine Locker was, you know, the Loch Ness yeah. monster. Yeah. He was great, and then he was, yeah. and then he was yeah. awful after awful. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think they were kind of concerned that maybe he was a little bit of a flash in the pan or something along those lines but he's proven every step of the way that he seems to be consistently good like he doesn't have long stretches of bad play so I think that's maybe a little bit of a difference between him and some of those other guys Sure. I, I, and I agree. And every level he's been at, he's been really good. He was great at UMaine. He was great at, you know, great at Providence when he first came in. He was really good last year when he played sparingly. And now he's proving that he's very talented. So he's a guy that has had a lot of accolades coming in. So it's not like some guy off the street that just got hot. I mean, he's a guy who every single level has been really good. All right. Number six, Vancouver Giants GM. Had pretty high praise for Bruins prospect Fabian Lysel, who was the first-round pick of the Bruins in 2021. He said in 30 years he has only seen two players skate like Lysel, Connor McDavid and Pavel Bure. Wow. Holy fuck. Yeah. I mean, the Bruins might have something here. I've watched some of the highlights from him. I don't get to see the full games, but some of the highlights of some of the goals he scored, pretty fucking dynamic. Pretty dynamic player. He seems to go to the boards, too. He'll battle along the boards. He wins, you know, board battles. He has a pretty good hockey sense, it seems like, from some of the passes and stuff he's made. And he has fantastic hands and, and a pretty good shot. So I really think they they have something in, in Lysel. And, uh, 
you know, I'm hoping that they don't get rid of him at the uh, at the deadline and, and kind of a knee jerk move to to mm. get a rental or something like that. I don't think they will. I really think they've been look. The, the history has shown with Sweeney. He's very sort of cautious. He ha- he he has won just about every trade deadline trade. <laughs> I mean, he he doesn't really take risks. I m- me personally, I would keep Lysel and Lori, and I would leave in. I would let. Everybody else is on the table. Like even the Harrison, if you could get a really good player who you could feel you could re-sign, if it's Hurdle, if it's JT Miller, if it's somebody, if you feel like you can get someone beyond this year for a guy like that, then fine. But I would keep Lysel and Lowry. Those are the two guys I would keep. You don't have a very deep farm system. You don't have a lot of prospects in the pool. So you need to keep your two best. And I think Lysel and Lowry are the two best. You've got a, a legitimate future goal scorer, dynamic offensive player, and a really good defenseman with offensive skill. Who has, has who has size? Those two things are really hard to get. So Absolutely. I would keep those two guys, and then the rest of them can be had for for whatever, whoever. Make it a good trade. Make it a guy. I don't love rentals. The only rental I would take right now is a, is a guy like a Phil Kessel, who if it's for a third round pick and a million bucks, then yeah, I would have I would do that because the third round pick is not guaranteed to get you anything especially the way they've been drafting (laughs) so i I would take phil kessel and maybe he goes another year if he likes it yeah if he likes if bergeron decides to stay another year and and marshan's there and he can play in the top line and parsonak and hall are there and parsonak's there another year at the least Mm -hmm. then yeah then maybe kessel stays another year but that's a low risk rental to me other than that i'm i'm going guys with some term or some future with the team and I only want to keep Lysel and Lori. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and and like and just to follow up, David Posnock is uh from the Czech Czech Republic. Czech Republic. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh via Sagas. All right. <laughs> via via hockey time. How is how Charlie McAvoy compares to Drew Doughty? Now, this has been a comparison that's been taking place for the last few years since McAvoy came in the league. He was the comparable uh, when it came to defenseman Drew Doughty, has had a great career. Again, he's probably another underrated defenseman. Two cups, four All Stars. You know, really good offensive and defensive defenseman. Has some edge to his game. His chirps on YouTube are fantastic. Absolutely, like just fantastic. Yep. High level. Uh, he's got a lot of sass to his game. He's he's been a leader on the Kings along with Kopitar for a long time. And I wrote about this on InsideTheRink.com. Uh, Charlie McAvoy comparing to Doughty, same size, same kind of build. And McAvoy, really, the only thing lacking in McAvoy's game has been the power play time because he hasn't gotten a lot of it. This year he has he's improved his power play time. He has a career high in points and he's really projecting in that way to be like Doughty for the next, you know, eight, 10 years. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the comparison was good when it was initially made. I feel like he's always been kind of a similar style type of guy to Doughty, similar build. And uh, I feel like he's going to grow into that same type of role that, that Doughty has played for the Kings for so many years. Yeah, and I think McAvoy has a little bit of edge. I mean, he can fight. He can, he'll play physically. And I think as he continues to grow, I think that he will be even a better leader than he is now. And he's a pretty good leader now for a young guy. And, again, it, I said at the beginning of the year, his offense had to get to a 50 to 60 point level for him to be in that top three or four defense range. And it's, and it's going to be there. It's getting there. 
So it's projecting there. Mm-hmm. And that makes him a Norris candidate. Like you have to get to the McCars and the Adam Foxes who put the offensive numbers up because that's just how it is. I know it's a defense. I know it Norris is defenseman trophy, but offense is a big part of it. And he had to get there. And, and I was hesitant about it because he hasn't really, he shows flashes of a great rush or a nice shot or a great play. Uh, particularly in the postseason, he's had some of those, but he doesn't, he hadn't done it enough. And maybe that's because Charo was with him and other guys have, are with him that slow him down. But I think with Grizzlick, he's shown more of that. And uh, they're a good pair together. Obviously, 5 on 5, they're excellent, the stats show. So I think McAvoy's getting there for sure. Uh, all right, it is time for the Whipping Boys segment. My whipping boy is Trent Frederick and has been all year. He had a great fight with uh, Brendan Lemieux, who's a scumbag. Uh, there's a history there between the two of them. They fought before. They were obviously uh, dialing themselves up for that one before that even started. That's Claude's kid. He's just as douchey as his dad, not nearly the player his dad was. And uh, Trent has been good on that numbers line. He had, you know, he has some hiccups here and there. He had a bad, bad back check last night. That, you know, a goal happened right after it. But for the most part, Fredericks found his game with that group. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think it was a good fight. And I think he has found his game with that uh, with that numbers line. Uh, my whipping boy is Connor Clifton. He was pretty good um, this week until the Ducks game. I think in the, during the Ducks game, he was back to that kind of usual Connor Clifton where he's running around. He's a little out of position. He's turning the puck over a little bit, um, not making good decisions with the puck. So. Uh, I'd like to see him get back to a little bit of of a more calm game, a little more simple game that he was playing earlier this week when um, the Bruins were playing better as a whole. So uh, I'd hopefully, him play right now. He kind of plays like Paul Coffey with no skill, <laughs> and it's just kind of like all over the place. Like he's kind of like you know he'll be at left wing for some reason. He'll yeah. hit the left wing sideways, you know, sometimes entering the zone for no apparent reason, like just stuff like that that just happens. But when he's dials in like that Washington series, what was it? Two years ago where they beat the Capitals. He was great in that series. Like he, mm-hmm. he stuck to his game plan was, which was to aggravate the Ovechkin line and kind of, you know, be physical and be a little nasty and stay in your lane. And when he does that, he's fine. But I feel like there's a timer on him. Like by the third or fourth game, right? He gets a little loose and a little, you know, and a, <laughs> he's feeling good. Yeah, uh, and feeling he does. It's not a good thing for Clifton. No, no, he no. needs to always feel like he's, you know, a couple shifts away from getting sent up to the ninth floor to kind of rein him <laughs> back in because he does. He he gets he he plays like three or four good games in a row and he gets a little bit feeling himself. He's like, I'm fucking Bobby Orr out here. <laughs> yeah, like, let's fucking go, crazy. man. And then Absolutely. he's and then he's all over the goddamn place, and you can't depend on where he's going to be or where he is, and he's he's kind of a mess. So yeah, rein it in. You know, personally, I think I hope that they pick up a defenseman that can slot in there, so he's more of a depth guy. You know, in case someone gets injured. Yeah, I've, I give it to you. You've had it from all along. He's a seventh defenseman, and that's what seventh defensemen do. They play good for three games, and then they shit themselves, and that's what Clifton does. You know, every third game. It is time for the Beauties and Benders segment. This is when we t- tell our top three beauties. 
great performers of the week. And then the worst of the worst, the three benders, my three beauties. Number three, Nick Foligno had a Gordie Howe hat trick, had a goal, assist, and a fight. Really looked to, It really looked like you found his game a little bit in Anaheim last night. As you said, it was one of the bright spots, and maybe he can get some traction here. What a beautiful tip in front of the net. That that's was. what he needs to do. Get in front, yeah. screen, hit the puck, see where it goes, and that's what he did, and it went in. He also, so had, a, he also had a huge chance uh, later, in, later in the game, on, on a great break-in where uh, Froden set him up with a, a great pass to the slot and uh, and he got robbed by Quick. But he, he's had some chances on that line and, and playing pretty well with Nosek. So, uh, you know, maybe it takes a little bit of the pressure off him. Absolutely. You know, being on the fourth line. You know, just go out and play eight minutes a game, whatever, and mm-hmm. get everything that moves and get in front of the net and keep it simple. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's helping him for sure. And number two of my beauties, uh, Jake DeBrusque. Uh, he's just been fantastic. He had seven goals in five games there. Uh, had the hat trick, had two goals in the first uh, game against Seattle of the trip. And Jake has really found himself on the top line. He's improving his trade value. I still question what that value is. I mean, I know he's hot and I know he's showing his what he's capable of. But there's always that question if I'm an opposing GM. It's always that question of what happened those last two years where he was completely disinterested. And is that going to happen on my team? So I think people are saying, yeah, sell, sell high. Like, I'm not sure how high that is still. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, so we'll see. And then number one, Jeremy Swayman has just been fantastic. 5-0-1 in his last six. And in my mind, he's the number one goalie until he fails. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. I think he has been excellent. Rookie of the month for February. So um, he's definitely trending in the right direction. And, and, you know, that's what you want to see, you know, coming down the home stretch of the season. So my three beauties, uh, number three, I have Craig Smith, who this week had three assists, 13 shots, nine hits. So he had a pretty good uh, week. He's still not scoring goals, but he is getting chances. He's getting more shots. I think he's developed some chemistry with Frederick and Coyle on that line. I think it's just a matter of time before he kind of breaks through. And I think when he does break through, he's going to score in bunches, kind of like the Baraska and Pasternak do. So uh, it would be be good to see Smith kind of get going um, in this upcoming week. Number mm-hmm. two, I had uh, David Pasternak. He had two goals and three assists this week. Played really well. He's just been pretty consistent lately with with Hall and Halla and and scoring scoring goals. He's up to I believe twenty eight now on the year. So uh, he's really been playing well lately. Uh, and my number one beauty was Eric Halla. Uh, he had two goals and three assists this week as well. He had two goals in the um, in the Kings game. Had some assists in some of the other ones. And he's really been kind of a stabilizing force on that line with Hall and Pasternak. He's using his skating game. He seems faster. Uh, now than he did early in the year. I don't know if he was coming off an injury or if it's just the guys he's playing with now. He feels like he needs to keep up a little bit with with Hall and Pasternak, who can both really skate. So uh, he's been kind of a really good fit on that line. They they kind of gel. They kind of play a similar style to uh, Hall and Pasternak, where they all kind of skate pretty well, cycle the puck, and he's kind of the defensive responsible one on that line. Uh, that really kind of balances him out. So he's been he's been real good lately for yeah, the Bruins. He's pretty good on the dot. That was a book on him. He was what fifty six percent coming into the year on the faceoff dot. So he'll win more than he loses on the dot. That sets up some offensive chances for Holland Pasternak. He's fit in 
pretty well. And good thing because they do have that. And it's still a need second line center. As yeah. we've talked before, especially into next year and beyond. I mean, they right. need to figure that out, but he's been a good stopgap right now. I just worry playoff time when it gets harder to score and you're playing against better teams, whether or not that will rear its ugly head, mm-hmm. that whole second line thing. So now it is time for our benders and my number three bender is Linus Almark. Face, you're a neo maxi zoom dweeby. You know, he, he was okay last night. He made some decent saves, but I just think I, I'm looking at the stats 2.80 G, uh, goals against, like his, his, another bad game and his save percentage may go under 900. Like it's time now. He's at like 908 or something. Like it's time now for him. And now it's going to get harder because he's going to play less games. He's going to play every fourth game instead of every other or every game. So now you have to see what you do when you're sitting around for a while and you go in and play. So it's not going to be, it's going to be harder for him to get some traction and some rhythm, but I don't, he just hasn't been what they thought he would be. They, they project, they, they gave him that on a projection of that contact contract. He was a pretty good on a bad team with Buffalo. And then they thought he would be better, but he is not so far. Number two, Brendan, let me face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. I mean, what a douche. I mean, honestly, I mean, he, it's the only father son pair to have biting incidents in the NHL. I mean, Claude was, I looked at Claude's numbers. He had like over 700 points. He had over 200. He had almost 300 points in the postseason. Like, there were a couple of years where he had 13 goals in the postseason each year. Like, he won cups. Yeah. What a douche. I mean, what did, what did uh, Cam Neely call him? Like a, a, gutless pig or some, I don't know, something some gutless coward or some, yeah. some ridiculous thing. But Brendan is a lesser of a lesser being than his dad, which says a lot. So there's uh, number two. And then number one, Nesson. Face, you're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. I'd rather have the games on Waltham Cable Access, I think, <laughs> I, I, with me and you doing them. Tell me that wouldn't be a ratings cash cow. That would be a ratings bonanza for everyone. It would. It would. <laughs> We'd be all over social media. It would be unbelievable. And we would say outlandish things that people understood rather than Jack. <laughs> like we would not talk about the Ella Fitzgerald and ramble on about yeah. Shit. We may we may come up uh, later in the in the in the year. We might have a just a what is Jack saying segment. I think that might be something oh, yes. that we're we. Jack, what is Jack saying? What is saying? Jack saying? What is Jack says? <laughs> we're getting the audio and we're just ripping it. I can't wait. We're gonna we're gonna do it. It'll be like Jane's addiction. Jack says. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing it. We are doing it. Yeah. All right. Uh, all so, right. Uh, so so your benders. Yeah, my benders. Uh, these are all based on <laughs> mistakes made in the Ducks game. <laughs> so uh, number three, Brad Marchand. Base. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. So uh, Marcia tries to dangle through a guy at his own blue line. Uh, the puck gets uh, kept in the zone. They get it down low. They pass it up to him on the on the right wing boards. And then he um, passes it to the slot where no one is. And uh, the Ducks score. Uh, so my number, t- <laughs> my, no- my number two bender is Trent Frederick. Face, you're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. Uh, so he just had a lazy back check. There was a play where, uh, you know, the puck kind of came up wide and he just kind of slowed down, let the guy get to the front of the net. And it was kind of an easy tap in for, uh, for the ducks player. So, uh, Trent Frederick, number two and number one, Derek Forbort. Face, you're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. 
Uh, so he had what possibly could have been one of the easiest PK clears in the history of the league. Does not lift his head up and basically passes it directly to the right point man who keeps it in and the Ducks end up scoring. So he was my number one bender because if you just lifted your head up, you could have cleared the puck very, very easily. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, the, it, it, there's, there was some, there was some times in that Ducks, into that Ducks game that just were rearing back to what they were doing earlier in the year. All right, time now for top seven Bruins Benders podcast power rankings. Number seven, the Pittsburgh Penguins have won back-to-back games. They have 74 points. Number six, the Calgary Flames. They stay at number six, nine and one in the last 10. Number five, Maple Leafs. They stay the same as well, won three in a row. Number four, the Florida Panthers have dropped two spots. They lost three in a row. Number three, Tampa Bay Lightning. They gain a spot. They've won five in a row, first in the Atlantic. And number two, Carolina Hurricanes. They they go up one, one spot, 79 points. They lead the Eastern Conference. And then number one, the Colorado Avalanche stay right there. They're 84 points. They are a freight train. And they are firing, firing away right now, probably the best team in the league. Yeah, absolutely. The top of the Eastern Conference is pretty top-heavy. There's like six or seven teams all within the top of the Eastern Conference that have um, more points than, than you know any teams in the West other than, other than the Avalanche and, and possibly the Flames. So uh, East is going to be a tough, tough, uh, tough conference to come out of come, uh, come the playoffs. No question. I mean, they're going to have to beat, you know, probably like Florida, Tampa, Carolina. Like, oh, yeah. boy. Like, that's a, that's an awful lot. It's a tall task. Oh, go ahead. Bottom three. Let's, we can't forget the bottom three. Oh, we can't forget Everybody the bottom three that, of the Bruins Benders Power Less rankings. These are teams that absolutely blow. And coming in at number 30 is the Buffalo Sabres, who have lost six in a row. And they could not wait to get bad again. <laughs> that's for sure. They are terrible again. <laughs> Yeah, they're just trying like hell to be uh, be at the bottom of the league. Coming in at number 31, your Seattle Kraken have lost seven in a row. And uh, the Bruins were a part of that. Beat them the other night uh, in a hard-fought game. But still, Seattle right down there at the bottom. Uh, kind of where an expansion team belongs, if, if we're being honest with each other. And then uh, number 32, your Montreal Canadiens have won five in a row. Did they win last night? They played the Jets. There was there was like four to four late. I don't know. I don't they know if they did. I don't know if they won, but they had won five in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, we don't care. We don't care that they've won five in a row. We don't care that they uh, that they win games because we want them to lose all of the games. And, um, you know, that's that's where we want them to be. We certainly, we certainly want them to be there. Absolutely, for hundred percent sure. So they lost yeah. at they lost at Winnipeg eight to four, eight to four. Yeah, wow. so that's not good. Yeah, so they they had won. Um, yeah, they had won five in a row and then lost okay. eight to four. So they okay, they so got more justified. Yeah, so, so they okay, so they got their ass kicked. Right, they gave up uh, three in the third, three unanswered in the third uh, nice. to just lose in in. Yeah. Uh, in really terrible, terrible fashion. Right. Well, that's great. Uh, it's good that Montreal's still there. Week ahead for the Bruins, March 3rd at, at Vegas, March 5th at Columbus, and then March 7th, they will have the Kings at home, a rematch. So I'm sure the Kings will be looking for that one uh, coming up on March the 7th. But uh, three games. Columbus is playing a little bit better, too. Vegas is pretty good. So a tough little stretch here. 
All right, time for the Benders poll. We had a poll last week. Follow us on Twitter at Bruins Benders. With 30 games left, who will the Bruins catch in the NHL standings? We had 60 votes. It was Panthers, Lightning, Maple Leafs, or will they stay in fourth in the division? Panthers had 2%. Lightning had 2%. Maple Leafs, 57%. Not a lot of people believe believing in the Maple Leafs. Uh, and then staying in fourth was 39%. So over half think that the Bruins might catch Maple Leafs and get the third. Yeah, I mean, with good reason. With good reason. Yeah. I mean, the the Maple Leafs haven't really shown um, when it comes to playoff time an ability to win games. So right. there you go. Uh, they're a good regular season team, but we'll see yeah. uh, once they hit the playoffs what happens. So um, I think the Bruins probably stay in fourth. But I think so too. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough one because they're either gonna get Florida or Tampa in, in round one. So yeah. right. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Rate and review for charity. One dollar to for every rate and review goes to the Bruins foundation from us. Uh, you can also rate us on Spotify as well. And thanks to the listeners. We have listeners in 48 States and 41 countries now and climbing. Uh, and many thanks to inside the rink.com. Uh, you can go to inside the rink.com for Bruins benders merchandise. You can also get all sorts of good articles. Just search on uh, inside the rank, go to Atlantic division and Bruins. You'll see all sorts of articles on there. Um, some that I have written as well. So go ahead and, and check that out as well. And the Bruins are playing much better, and hopefully they can rebound after that tough loss to the Ducks. And maybe on March 7th against, who was it against March 7th? Uh, March 7th was the Kings, I believe. The Kings, yes. Hopefully they win that game so we can podcast after a win for once. <laughs> yeah. How about that? That would be nice. A little yeah, refreshing yeah. change. That'd be great. Hey, we appreciate everyone listening. Have a great week, everyone. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.